This is the Defenders podcast on TV Podcast Industries, and we're talking about Hawkeye, Episode 3, Echoes. Echoes, Echoes, Echoes. You know, it's, uh, it comes with a price. What does? This life you want to live, to really help people, we really try to help people anyway. Comes a lot of sacrifices, and some things you'll lose forever. Also things you gain, like trick arrows and a cool costume. Welcome back, fellow Defenders, to episode three of Hawkeye Echoes. This is the Defenders podcast on TV Podcast Industries, and I am one of your hosts, John. And I am one of your hosts, John. Sorry, sorry, no, you you weren't asking me to echo. I am Chris. (laughs) Welcome back, fellow Defenders. I am your third host, Derek. Um, I've still got a sore throat, uh, or I got a sore throat, uh, because spoilers for our Wheel of Time podcast, which we recorded earlier in the week, I had a sore throat for that one. Because they're being released in the opposite order, it'll sound like I'm getting worse, but I am getting better. My voice sounds better today, doesn't it, guys, than it did on Wheel of Time? Yes. Yes. So, (laughs) Question mark. If our fellow defenders or fellow wheelies, as our Wheel of Time listeners uh, are known, if they're listening to these episodes in the order of release, it'll sound like I'm I'm getting worse. I just want to make sure you know I'm feeling better. Excellent. Well, as long as you are, that is perfect. There you go. You're, not, you're looking worse, but that's a different story altogether. Chris, every <laughs> single day I'm alive, I look worse than the day before. It's cold aging. Yeah, as I say. <laughs> but welcome back, fellow Defenders, to this spoiler-filled discussion of Hawkeye Episode 3. Mm-hmm. Remember, you can head on over to our website at tvpodcastindustries.com where you can subscribe to the podcast on any good or evil podcast player of your choice. Mm-hmm. And of course, please send in any feedback through email to feedback at tvpodcastindustries.com or over on our group at facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash TV podcast industries where there are spoiler filled posts where you just leave your lovely thoughts, theories, comments, you name it, uh, in the comment section uh, below. Mm hmm. Yes, and of course, if you're over on Instagram and you listen to us on Spotify and we are in your Spotify top listens, why not throw us a let us know, show off your proud defender status. As basically being in your top five because you listen to us review, discuss, dissect, theorize, <laughs> randomize, sing, murdering the singing. Uh, but yeah, just let us know on Instagram at TV Pod Industries. Absolutely, yeah, we've been getting some uh, some uh, end of year lists sent to us over on Twitter and over on Instagram uh, already. It's been really really nice to see our wonderful listeners get uh, our. Our TV podcast industries up at their top five podcasts yes. of the year. That's been really cool. Um, thank you very yeah, much. Absolutely. Yeah. Great stuff. But let's do what we're here for and get into our spoiler-filled discussion of episode three of Hawkeye Echoes. Derek. Echoes, 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 echoes. That's what are some of the episode details? 
Yes, this series is based predominantly on the comic book series by Matt Fraction and David Aya. And the executive producer of the show, the showrunner in, uh, in Marvel terminology, is Jonathan Igla. Uh, this episode was written by Katrina Mathewson and Tanner Bean. They are a writing, writing partnership and both executive story editors on the series of this show. Uh, this is the first episode that they've got a writing credit for, for Hawkeye. Uh, but they've worked on loads of shows before, including uh, including Christmas movies and a TV show called Pitch as well. So, uh, so they've been writing together for many, many years. Good stuff. I haven't heard of Pitch. So welcome, Katrina and Tana, um, to my writing library, I There guess. you go. Yeah, really interesting that they've been writing together on multiple shows before and having two people that uh, in the writing seat for this episode. Uh, really interesting because the episode is pretty much a two-hander between Kate Bishop and, uh, and Clint Barton. Uh, most of the series is. And what makes it interesting as well is... The directors of the episode, Bert and Bertie, are also two directing partners who've worked together on many shows in the past, including the TV show The Great. So, uh, really interesting. They've got two writing partners in the uh, in the writing chair and two directing partners in the directing chair. Did you almost say Bert and Ernie? Uh, <laughs> That's literally that, where my head went. <laughs> that would have been awesome oh. if Bertie could have changed his name by default. But then maybe there's trademark or copyright issues. I Who don't knows? think either of them would want to change the name to Burton Ernie. <laughs> I, I will call out a fantastic uh, film by Burton Bertie uh, called Troop Zero, which has the very funny Jim Gaffigan in it. Um, and it, it was on, I think it was Hulu, but in uh, the, I think it was Hulu, but I know definitely in the wider kind of international spaces, it was available on uh, Amazon Prime. Okay. So it may still be there if you have Amazon Prime at the moment and you're watching Wheel of Time. Check mm-hmm. it out. Uh, but Troop Zero, very funny. Very, very funny. Interesting. Interesting. I'll have to go and check that out. John, do you want to tell us what they gave us with your synopsis for episode three of Hawkeye, Echoes? Sure. In 2007, a young Maya Lopez is learning to live in a world without hearing. Growing up, she is supported by her father as he encourages her to jump between the two worlds of the hearing and the signing. But one evening, Maya witnesses the slaying of her father at the hands and sword of the Ronin. In the present day, Maya stands over Clint Barton and Kate Bishop to interrogate them about Ronan as she seeks revenge for her murdered father. Clint manages to free himself and fend off Maya and the tracksuit mafia, though Maya breaks his hearing aid in the process. Freeing Kate Bishop, they escape the warehouse, but are pursued in their stolen saloon car by Maya, her second-in-command Kazi, and the rest of the tracksuit mafia. With the help of many trick arrows, they manage to escape their pursuers and get back to their safe house. Clint gets his hearing aid fixed, they manage to walk the dog, now christened Pizza Dog, and both look to learn more about the tracksuit mafia, as well as her soon-to-be stepfather, Jack Duquesne. Kate brings Clint back to her mother's penthouse where she attempts to access the criminal database of her mother's company, Bishop Securities. However, Kate is locked out of the system as she attempts to bypass the encryption, while Clint hears a noise elsewhere in the apartment. As he goes to investigate, he encounters the sharp end of Jack Duquesne as he holds the Ronin sword to Clint's throat. A very sharp ending to this episode. It it very much is, yes. Excellent stuff. Yeah, this really felt like one of the shortest episodes of the season so far. I just got to the end, rolled credits, and I'm going, wow, I, I was expecting about another 10 minutes. Uh- <laughs> yes, exactly. I, I I, literally thought, I, 
I had fallen asleep or I blinked and like lost like 10 minutes of my life. <laughs> I was like, it just, it was over. And I was like, oh, wow. wow okay. Uh, that, that, that was concise to the point. Yeah. I mean, it's cracking along at a pace. Do you know what's yeah. also really getting to me during this season? Um, my closest friend from childhood, from being from when I was five years old, is called Ronan. So, so it's really confusing <laughs> in the episode where everybody's talking about Ronan has returned and Ronan has come back. And I'm going, why are they concerned about Ronan coming back? He's a nice he never guy. left. <laughs> He's a nice guy. He wouldn't be after your businesses. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, shall we get into our arrow points for this episode? Definitely. Yeah. Let's yes. get on with it. Uh, let's kick off with arrow point one, unsurprisingly. Mm-hmm. Who is Maya Lopez? Yeah, we learned lots about Maya Lopez in this episode, don't we? This was f- fantastic for me because we do know it has been um, essentially confirmed that we are getting an Echo TV show on Disney+. Plus. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I wasn't sure how they... We knew that Echo, the character, was coming uh, in this season of Hawkeye. We didn't know that this was happening. A lot of people were like, oh, okay, it's going to be a one-off like, she'll be in it for one episode and then gone. We won't get much of her origin. It'll all be explored in her own show. They basically put that to bed by opening with her origin. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I really want to put out a huge um, a, a kind of hot tip to Disney at this point in time, Marvel, and especially the Marvel Cinematic Universe, um, for the um, accessibility kind of uh, bits they're doing here where similar to the Eternals they have deaf actresses uh, playing uh, deaf characters Mm -hmm. who are then like they're using ASL that they've known for years it's real ASL it's real American Sign Language that they're using that they're doing it's not kind of phoned in by the looks of things but I think it's just really interesting to see that like they are fully kind of going into this and it wasn't how do we put it? it was very well in my opinion well represented like of course i Definitely. would love to hear from someone else what they think if they they are uh deaf and that they, they use american sign language they think it's a good representation so we do know that the the representation in feedback wise the representation in the eternals was well received and thought very highly of with Macari, we do know that it's just really well done there so i think in my opinion was done just really well here Absolutely, and, yeah. and not just done well here. The introduction of this character of Echo as such a great introduction to the character. You Definitely, know, the person around for I think about ten years um, from uh, back in Daredevil, Marvel Knights. Um, so it's a character that's been around for a while. Now you know, not all time, not like fifty, sixty years, but has been around and has got a good history in the comic books. And it makes me really excited to see more of her. Um, Akila Cox is doing a great job. Uh, in this role, and yeah. I think this gives you a good base of knowledge of who the character is. There'll be more in the show, obviously. This isn't going to be a one-off. We will see her again uh, in Hawkeye. But I'm really excited for her own show as well. So uh, they've accomplished a really great job. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think having the representation in here is fantastic. Mm-hmm. Not only that, it's being integrated really well into the story and also with effectively bringing out the the um the hearing um impairment that also hawkeye has so the two of these characters it it, it integrates 
um, into the story mm-hmm. really well and, and is meaningful. And I think that's amazing. And the same for this flashback. I, I think the writers here, Katrina Mathewson and Tana Bean, I thought this flashback was just, again, perfect. I've yeah, said that a few yeah. times about flashbacks recently because mm-hmm. it added so much really quickly to uh, Maya Lopez uh, uh, as this character as the uh, and growing up. But it it made the interrogation that she does with Clint and Kate really meaningful. Mm-hmm. Like, I kind of just thought she was going to come out and interrogate them. Mm-hmm. But having that just added this new depth to that interrogation because it, it, you knew how meaningful it was to Maya to get to the bottom of who is Ronan. Where did you get that suit? You know, where's the sword? Because... In the in the flashback, we see a really supportive father um, helping her with um, her hearing impairment, um, but also this this idea of having to jump between two worlds like dragons. You know, uh, explaining it to his, his child who's mm-hmm. deaf because she's not at a school for the deaf or the hearing impaired, yeah. and that. You know, he encourages her that you you must you know walk these two worlds, um, so that you can watch and feel your surroundings, so you so your you can operate in a verbal environment, um, and you see that with the karate, um, sort of part of that where she's watching the feet of of the karate, um combatants so when she gets up the she she knows their moves yeah. and and then seeing the the death at the hands of Ronan um or who we think is Ronan and um, someone in the Ronan or, outfit, or someone yeah. in the Ronan outfit yeah. that you know effectively running through with the sword her her father so it, it just was this to me was great i i, I really it just pulled me in i mean i wasn't expecting the flashback and it, it was just really sort of concisely meaningfully done and then added so much to this character in the present day yeah. and and i thought that was excellent uh, even just a little touch of that conversation with her father where she's asking why isn't she able to go to a school with everybody like her um i thought we could afford it basically and, or, and instantly you're told that he's someone that doesn't have the money to do it so he'll do anything for his child so you get that he may have gone down a path and just in those opening moments he may have gone down a path to serve his family to get more money and potentially down this dark path that led him in the crosshairs of Ronan. All of that told within, you know, one line of dialogue and one yeah. line of storytelling between these two characters. Very cool. Um, you referenced already there is a connection there with Shang-Chi, which we've seen recently. Yeah. Really interesting that you're watching a show like Hawkeye now, a, show, a movie like Shang-Chi a couple of months ago that does announce that there are dragons in the MCU. And he even refers to it in the correct way. She asks, do dragons exist? And he says, no, they're in a different plane of existence, effectively. So almost exactly the way it's yeah. introduced to us in Shang-Chi. So, um, so I love that watching with, with that in, in the back of your mind that he is explaining dragons the correct way to his daughter. Not they don't exist. They're just not on this plane of existence. So, and what yeah. happens if they come here? They get more powerful. Mm, that really was, cool. I was like, ooh. <laughs> Interesting. Mm. Um, 
I really enjoyed this. They 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 they're tweaking the power set of Echo as a character slightly, in that it's similar, but in in the uh, comic books she is kind of has a photographic muscle memory, mm-hmm. essentially very much like Taskmaster in um the well, who we saw in Black Widow. Mm-hmm. Yeah, in the comic books she sees someone do something once and she can repeat it. Right, um and. But there isn't any limit. So if she can watch, for example, she could watch Captain America and Black Widow and Hawkeye on a video. And then when she was fighting one of them, she could easily switch between all. Right. Like she just never loses that muscle memory. So she basically is like if you paired her with Shang-Chi, she would be Shang-Chi plus every other person she's ever seen. Right. Right. Um, Really interesting comic book kind of origin. We get told there, like her dad was running the tracksuits. Mm-hmm. Um, she, he was the, he was leading that crew. Um, but, uh, there was a perf- person above him. Uh, there was, yeah, yeah. he had a boss and his boss was named Uncle. Yeah. Yeah. Like, like the way you would with your kid. It's usually, you know, an uncle could be anything. It could be yes. a blood relative and it could be someone that's just in your life. Likely this person. Just for the life. Look, everybody's been talking about it since the episode came out. <laughs> Don't think we need to, uh, to, need to, um, pussyfoot around Not what it could possibly be. Um, suspicion here is that this is Wilson Fisk, played by Vince D'Onofrio, who played Wilson Fisk in Daredevil, right? Yes. We don't see him on screen. The camera angle with a small child. It could easily be just that the camera angle made it look like yes. the person in a suit behind her was much bigger than they were. And I, in my mind, all I could just connect this back to, I said it to the guys just before recording, all I could connect this back to was the thoughts of Mephisto on WandaVision and the creators of the show going, whoa, how did people jump to that conclusion? And people expecting something as big a reveal as Mephisto happening on the show WandaVision and suddenly the showrunners were going, whoa, this is not what we meant at all. <laughs> or as big a reveal as the X-Men were suddenly in the Marvel Universe again on one division. This happened multiple times. And I'm going, right, if they haven't revealed the face on screen, maybe this is just Jacques Duquesne. And that's yep. supposed to be the big reveal yep. for the show is that her uncle is also possibly the father of Kate Bishop. And I'm going, <laughs> but that voice, we covered every single episode of Daredevil. And that little laugh that the character does as he rubs the cheek of Maya really does sound like Vincent It really, really does. I mean, as soon as that happened, and you're right, I know there's the false perspective of being next Mm. to a small child, but the whole element of it, I was just, is that Wilson Fisk? I wasn't even thinking it was Vincent D'Onofrio, to be honest. Okay. Um, it, It could be, but it just felt like that just yeah. the swagger of just seeing the hand do it mm-hmm. i mean you know in a sense it, it, it's like chris saying about the the photographic muscle memory of maya from the comics i feel like because we did three seasons of daredevil the i feel like i've got a photographic memory of the the ins and outs the the little things that Vincent D'Onofrio did as mm-hmm. Wil- Wilson Fisk yeah. uh, in those three um, seasons. And it was just, it was my first go-to. Yeah. And you're right, it could simply be Jack Duquesne or another sort of high-level boss man mm-hmm. uh, of any of the, the gangs that are represented in 
um, any of the street level heroes of yeah. of New York in in Marvel. So it, it's not necessarily that, but gosh, I like to dream uh, at that moment when I, when I saw it. But just can you imagine if it wasn't? Can you imagine them sitting back when people watch the episode going, <laughs> oh, no, <laughs> that's yeah. not what we want. It's Ralph Boner all over again. <laughs> yes. Yeah, but for me, I, I, I went, I've gone through multiple stages over the last 24 hours as we've recorded, since we've watched this and as we're recording. I've gone through, that's Vincent D'Onofrio. It has to be, I'm pretty sure, it looks like his hand, and it sounds like him, to, oh my god, that's supposed to be Kingpin, but I think they've recast, and imagine if they've recast Charlie Cox as well as Matt Murdock, and there's going to be hell to pay, <laughs> what, oh my god, like, no way they're going to do that, no, 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 it has to be Charlie Cox coming in Spider-Man, and it's going to be Vincent D'Onofrio in this, and then I went, no, hold on, these are all rumours, this is what we all want. There are many other heads of the family of kind of like the crime, yeah. organized crime oh, yeah. in New York that Spider-Man faces that like this tombstone. And I'm like, oh, okay. They could have easily gone. We can't use Kingpin anymore for now. We can need someone else. We go tombstone. Yeah. We go the owl. We go all these others who also have monikers around being the head of a family, uncle, yeah, exactly. all of this. Yeah. It's because in the comic books, Maya is related or has a relationship with Wilson Fisk, mm-hmm. a.k.a. the kingpin in the comic book. So that's why everyone's making this huge jump again. Oh, but it also looks like him. And people know that Disney are not going to throw away the opportunity. Vincent D'Onofrio wanted to come back and play the role of kingpin, and they offered it to him. I would say Disney would jump at the chance to make yeah. to to bring back an actor of that caliber into the MCU, playing a role that is so consistently said as one of the greatest villain roles in all of the MCU, not yeah. just movies or TV or any kind of caveat that's put on that. He is consistently said yeah. as one of the best actors that has been in, in the MCU, especially in a villain role. If you have the opportunity to bring him back, you bring him back. Yeah. But all I just kept going through my head, I, it's genuinely not that... I don't think it is. All that was going through my head was, what if it's not? <laughs> exactly. Uh, look, it could be Nirvana. It could be Geekageddon, depending mm. on how it is. But the uncle will most likely, um, and yeah, is going to be revealed. Yeah. Um, and like we'll, we'll just have to see, uh, which way it goes. But it's such like good stuff to, yes. to have the, 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 the theory and, and the intrigue around Wilson Fisk. Um, just to finish off this first arrow point, we see this interrogation and I, mm. there is a nice moment where Clint, we're covering Wheel of Time at the moment, where Clint kind of acts a bit like an acid eye, where he doesn't, uh, he doesn't give a lie, but he doesn't exactly tell the truth, uh, where he, he tells, uh, Maya that Ronan was killed by Black Widow, mm-hmm. um, and he was there to witness it. Um, so he killed him off, you know, metaphorically speaking. Um, yeah. And it was because of the Black Widow. But of course, Black Widow is now dead. Yeah. And so is Ronan, if that is true. So they don't really believe him. It's still very much that Maya is, um, you know, pretty suspicious Absolutely. Uh, of, of these two. Yeah. Um, 
I did like the fact that they were bound as well to um, the the Fergram rides. Again, <laughs> I think Clint Barton's just sort of deadpan, sort of grown-up guy, not really um, sort of too in on the humour. I just thought it was, again, really, really good stuff. Yeah, um, yeah. he does have a, a great fun gag with um, just with the fact we are talking about him with hearing loss and her as a deaf character knowing ASL. She comes in knowing that he can't hear her, speaks in a small bit of ASL to him and he recognises what she's saying and speaks back to her in ASL and then she goes for a big complicated sentence and he, he signs back to her uh, more cookie please thank you uh, <laughs> hearing impaired not deaf um, yeah. so so he's not as up to speed as her so I, I love that they did that transition and again you know these levels that they're talking about in the show that are all respectful but also able to find comedy in the in the situation yeah. as well yeah well good. the other bit of that is when Maya says you rely too much on technology mm-hmm. and it's like I have a bow and arrow <laughs> as my primary <laughs> weapon. Um, I'm not Iron Man. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, the, again, really good humor throughout this. Um, but speaking of being bound uh, and ultimately escaping, let's move on to our arrow point two with mm-hmm. the Hawkeye and, and Kate Bishop uh, escape. I think there are some fantastic... In this whole sequence from escaping... The warehouse to escaping the the chase in the cars, and mm-hmm. um, there are some fine uh, bow and arrow shots and, and uh, cuts here. I really really liked whether it is him uh, releasing the binds of Kate Bishop and also oh, grazing wow. Carsey's um, cheek mm-hmm. uh, to. All the trick arrows that you could possibly uh, dream of. It is really, really good. And I, I, I mean, I really loved just the whole action comedy of this entire episode, but in particular around the, the escape and the chase. Yeah. I just thought it was so, so on point, so good. It all just linked in really nicely. Absolutely. But I don't want to undersell how amazing the drive away one shot is that's one thing i really want to highlight we can go into all the trick arrows and go into all the fighting and the the, uh go through step by step of everything that went on in the scene but what might get lost is how amazing that drive away sequence that goes on for minutes on end from the moment they open the door get into the car and the camera is spinning around watching everything go on around them traffic coming towards them in different directions you're looking like cars are missing them by Brilliant. by millimeters uh, on all sides i think it's absolutely magnificently shot it's so good reminds me of one of the greatest moments in, in cinema of all time the children of men uh, sequence where uh, where exactly the same footage is happening they're they're filming all sides of a of an attack uh, that's come that's coming uh, around them this is the only time i've seen that done in a similar way on screen uh, since that was done and it was done so well well done i i'm gonna agree to a point there was one part where it looks like there was a slight pickup on Haley as Kate when she's sitting outside the car and it look basically it it you can see it's green screened on it, and they just obviously they wanted to get her to re-say something or do something they're not going to put her in that they're not going to reshoot that whole sequence mm-hmm. again so it just you can see that that one camera shot is superimposed 
on a like a moving screen kind of thing, and it just looks slightly. You could see that she wasn't there. Now the one shot actually finishes before Kate puts her head outside the car. The one shot is is them escaping and the trucks going around them, and then there is a cut. There's a massive cut when Kate comes outside the car with her with her bow and arrow because. Of course, uh, they're not the, going to. They're not going to put her in. Given that's the main actress of the show, they're not going to put her in, a, in enough danger to put her on the streets. But it's more about the traffic coming towards them, the traffic surrounding them from the moment they get into the car, from the moment they leave the uh, the warehouse yeah. until that point. But just that in itself is is fa- is fascinating and amazing to watch. Yeah, no, I absolutely loved it. I still wish they had to use the cherry car uh, <laughs> the, the, because that is ripped straight from the 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 comic book, the Matt Fractions comic uh-huh. book, the seventy two Challenger. Yeah, exactly, yeah. and it looks if from the the sorry, and the reason I think all of the cherry car is the issue is called Cherry, which is where this fight, this car chase comes from, and this kind of bit comes from where right. essentially they're in. They're being chased by the the tracksuit mafia or the the tracksuit vampires in um, the comic books, and uh, all the trick shot arrows and all that sort of things happen from the comic books, and they're just in that Dodge Challenger. But Excellent. yeah, although I do love the joke of it that it ends off with Clint looking back at the car, going, "Oh, I got destroyed anyway." <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. I could yeah. have had the whole scene uh, with this car, but I didn't. Yeah. <laughs> Let's talk about some of the uh, some of the action sequences. Then we're not going to go play by play. That was a joke of mine earlier on. We're not going to go play by play through it. You've all seen it. You know how how good the scene was. But uh, some of the things that happened, some of the moments that happened in there. Um, one that I'll call out is just the use of the USB arrow right at the end, uh, just oh. because it was one of the biggest moments in Avengers history for uh, for Clint Barton when he used that USB arrow to take down a Shield heli carrier. Um, yep. I love how absolutely useless it is now <laughs> in another situation. It's a, it's just a great joke because he has so many different types of arrows in that quiver of his. You know, he has an arrow for all all occasions, but can every arrow be used in every occasion? Of course not. So mm-hmm. uh, I like the gag of that. That was that was really good to call back right back to his history to to Avengers one. So that was cool. Well, speaking of callbacks, I like that they used the suction cup arrow twice. The first one they get into the window, that was useless. Yeah. <laughs> and then the second one, it actually saves their life at the end of the chase. Because exactly. they use it to get on the tra- train. I was like, no, no, I like that. Well yeah. done. Exactly. Because- As Kate says, now I see the use of that arrow. Yes. Yes. Um, overall, I look, I love this. This was so much fun. Um, I like the little bits of humor that they just put back in. Like when he runs over Santa, he goes, oh my God, sorry, Santa. And like you're like yeah, and then like pulling, and of course it I, pops back up because it's yeah. a, it's an inflatable wavy arm Santa. Yes. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, that's it. I mean, it's also like Kate saying there are four more arrows more dangerous than this one <laughs> as she uses the the explosive arrow, mm-hmm. um, and which was just superb. I loved uh, as well just the Hawkeye signature twist and swing move, and um, that is now both Clint and. Uh, Kate, uh, as they use the grapple arrow with the line to mm-hmm. sort of swing under and onto the top of the train. So cool. Uh, just that was good. I just love that. Yeah, yeah, really cool. And you know, and I, again, I love that his hearing loss plays part in the whole 
um, buddy cop element of this as well. Yeah. You know, he's, he's had the hearing aid stepped on. There is that moment he's trying to get her to drive the car and can't hear a word that Kate's saying uh, to him. So that plays into it. I love that they uh, repeat each other's words to to um, to each other and Kate's going, look, we're communicating. That's exactly what I said, you know. Uh, so I, I like that, that, that they've built it in as part of their relationship. I thought that was, that was really cool. Um, but let's talk about the big one. The really big one. Because it's another big callback. There is a connection between Ant-Man and Hawkeye. Um, Right back to Civil War, when Ant-Man joined the Avengers for that big battle, effectively. And uh, and we had a great scene from, um, from comic books in that movie where... Where Clint fires a tiny Scott Lang using the pin particles, tiny Scott Lang uh, at at his opponent. So uh, that's the connection between the two. So he's fully aware of the pin particles. Obviously, used them in uh, in Endgame as well. And here he uses the pin particles to create a massive weapon that destroys half of a bridge to take out their, <laughs> uh, the vehicle that's chasing them down. Like, how cool is that? You know, again, if you want to connect your MCU TV shows to your movies, do things like this. Definitely. Oh, 100%. Because it's like, it just, for the for the small amount of work, well, okay, I say small, I don't mean to kind of belittle anyone's amount of kind of CGI work, because it is huge amounts of work, but I meant for the small amount in the overall scheme of things of just getting the arrow down, and it's, it's huge to kind of just, everyone was like, oh, 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 like it yeah. was that oh my God moment. Yeah, they actually absolutely. did it. I love that you're saying about people the small amount of CGI work. I've seen some of your PowerPoint presentations, Chris. You couldn't do this in a million no. a million weeks of Sundays. It's true, it's true. I really couldn't. Mine would have just been like, and here's something we made earlier. <laughs> I've drawn this on a piece of paper and I'm going to throw it on the screen. <laughs> yes, exactly. Welcome to my sketch while I was having coffee. Uh, anything else from the Hawkeye escape that you guys want to talk about? The final bit is just on the train. Uh, yeah. the, the very fun moment where she's having all this conversation he still can't hear and then he just rabbits it back about like probably should take lucky for a walk uh i just absolutely enjoyed the hell out of this it was just it's for such like they the thing i'm starting to really enjoy about this series is the really good action like oh my god that action sequence in the warehouse for example is just fantastic Mm -hmm. um but then it's just cut so beautifully with kind of these just moments of humor mm-hmm. that don't last too long, that don't overstay their welcome, but are just perfectly delivered and then moving on. Absolutely. I actually think this episode gets the balance yes. perfect. Nailed it for me. Yeah. Um, it. Because it's not just humor in that scene. There is also a moment there where unprovoked Clint says, you remember you said that you're one of the greatest archers. You know what? You might actually be like, that's, yeah the biggest compliment that Clint has paid to her. He's kind of talked about her as being some nine-year-old earlier on in this episode, yeah. someone useless, someone to just be ignored. And now he's saying to her, you must be one of the world's greatest archers. This is her hero telling her that she stands alongside him as one of the greatest archers in the world. It's a, ma- a massive moment. And you can tell how much it means to her uh, on her face. I think it's fantastically uh, put together as a scene. Yeah, definitely. Great. Um, But let us uh, fly on uh, to arrow point three, the investigation of Bishop Securities. Mm. Yes. Yeah, we kind of talked about a little bit in in point number one about the person in the Ronan outfit who killed Maya's father and his group uh, at the time. And this is where the question throws in. Is it was it Clint that did that because Clint was on a mission to take out everybody or is there somebody else that could possibly have been? 
And if you think back to episode one, we had the Duquesne family, effectively. We had Armand Duquesne and we had Jacques Duquesne battling over the Ronan sword. For some reason, the two of them seemed to be going up and up and up on their bids to get access to this sword. Um, seemed massively important to both of them. Uh, we see in the end of this episode, Jacques obviously has the sword and is using the sword. But would they have been involved, potentially, as the Duquesne family, the people that that were using Ronan to take out some enemies of theirs? Were they masking themselves to hide their true intentions? Are they possibly behind this attack on Maya's family? Yeah, is it something to do with Eleanor Bishop, even? You know, there well, is yes. that conversation with Armand III and her, uh, him saying, you're involved with some really nasty people. Yeah. We're definitely all lying, though. We're three episodes in. We're definitely thinking that Eleanor Bishop is the, the secret bad guy not hitting very well in the background yes. of the show, yeah. right? Yeah, who I, has yeah. actually melted into the background yeah. now, which probably makes it even more likely. Yeah, wasn't in the episode, so yeah, definitely yeah. likely. I, there's a theory going around that she's Madame Musk, um, mm-hmm. that she actually is the character of Madame Musk, and she has been for years. And yeah. She's Mephisto, Chris. Exactly. <laughs> so Mephisto, confirmed. It's an MM. There you go. Um, I, I think, I don't know if I agree with the Madame Mask, but I think you're right there. I think she is the big bad for this, mm. where it will be revealed that Jack is, like, she is essentially the new kingpin of, kind of, and that she's been working with or for kingpin, Wilson Fisk, um, or they've been battling against each other and, like, their rival families. That's potentially it, yeah. 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 Do you, do you think there's anything in the Duquesne family and, and why they wanted the uh, the Ronan outfit back in in the first? No, episode? I think it's that they they are sword aficionados, um, and that I think it's that is like, hey, if you can get the the um, they wanted the stuff from the Avengers compound, and I think it was just a rivalry between Jacques Duquesne and um, uh, Almond. Nope. Armand. Armand. Between Jacques Duquesne and Armand Duquesne. I think it was just Mm -hmm. a rivalry there between the two of them. Um, Especially because more than likely the Duquesnes are a crime syndicate family. There's been, and then you see that Kate's mother has come in and usurped them. We saw them fighting earlier. Yeah. Like it's that kind of inner turmoil type aspects yeah maybe I, I still am wondering whether uh, i I'm, I'm kind of on the fence about the the duquesne family uh, yeah. overall i kind of feel like they're going to be the ones that melt in the background and go i didn't know any of this we made our money through you know um burgers uh in the 70s and now we just spend our money on on swords you know we have no idea about where, any kind where of there's crimes. originals yeah where there's originals, where there's originals. i mean yes, the, the interest countries. yeah i mean the interesting thing as well is Clint does have an idea with the the tracksuit mafia. He does talk about, you know, a guy at the top uh, you don't want to mess with and he's looking to grow the organization. Mm-hmm. And it's like does he know um the guy at the top that yeah. you don't want to mess with or is it he's just saying he knows of the fact that there is a guy at the top and he doesn't know exactly who it is. Yeah. And that, I guess, would make the difference as to whether it could potentially be Wilson Fisk or whether it is yeah. Jack Duquesne or, or the Duquesne family in some way with with Jack and, and Armand. Uh, and maybe they have a, 
a disagreement and, yeah. and falling out. So yeah, I, I definitely feel that that was them setting up. Clint Barton knows exactly who Wilson yeah. Fisk is. Kate won't know who it is, so he'll be able to introduce and give the background uh, yeah. in, a, in a writing way. Exactly, <laughs> and they're they're using um, then Eleanor's uh, criminal kind of database then to really find out a bit more about. Um, the the tracksuit mafia yeah. and and the Russians honing in uh, primarily on Kazi who is Mayer's right hand man mm-hmm. at, at yeah. this moment and we see uh, that he is um, an employee of Sloan Security mm, which yes. certainly Clint recognizes and mm-hmm. um, but for me this is we'll see what that actually means yeah. and how that will lead them down a particular track of investigation. Yeah. Yeah. Certainly not anything from, uh, from comic books or the MC that we've seen before that I'm aware of. Um, but yeah, Clint seems to know somewhere in the recesses of his mind, uh, there is a Sloan security that he's come across in the past. So uh, I guess we'll catch up on that next week in episode four, because we have a clue towards, uh, towards the murder now, right? And he seems all on board with this mission of Kate's effectively. He seems now to be connecting things together and kind of going, right, I, I get where you're going with this. Yeah. I'll investigate it with you. They're now partnering up. Um, you know, we even see with the, with the idea with that phone call effectively from his son, Nathaniel, we see that he's, he may not make it home for Christmas and he's willing to give up his time to work no. with Case to, uh, to, uh, deal with this situation effectively, even though it wasn't something of his making and isn't connecting to him now. They're pretty much in the clear, but he's willing to, uh, to follow it up, uh, because of what's happened because of the Ronan outfit. Yeah. Yeah. And we still, by the way, we still haven't seen much from the watch in the last episode and a half. Well, that's because it's inside Pizza Dog, Chris. I was right on my uh, on first episode, I think. <laughs> well, yeah, and Clint also does make a leap. What if they were there at the auction for something other than the Ronin sword? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I, I guess the watch is, will tick its way uh, out at some point from, from the dog, whether it is naturally or through uh, a vet, uh, I guess. So <laughs> well, it, it'll be interesting to see. Um, definitely... Uh, that that lovely, cute pizza dog, as we can now call him uh, officially, um, is 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 a ticking time bomb. For yeah, maybe, them. maybe we still don't know what that watch is. Yes, we do. So we basically end on a cliffhanger, lads. Mm-hmm. Mm, a pointy one, so a very a sharp one. Yeah, a sharp, yeah, pointy yeah. One. It's an interesting one, isn't it? Just because of the of, of the beats of how it got there, we have Kate getting locked out of her mother's computer just before. Um, Clint is confronted by Jacques with the yeah. with the sword. So we know that she's technically free to leave that computer and interrupt them and get into the fight, which will yeah. stop Jacques from doing anything uh, that, that could put Clint in danger. Um, she's definitely right there, right beside them. No problems yeah. intervening. So, uh, so it is a cliffhanger, I suppose, because we still don't know what Jacques's all about. Yes, exactly. And we do, in the comic books, Jacques Duquesne um, and Clint Barton know each other. So I'm interested to see, yeah. is there going to be um, a similar familiarity or friendship or adversary or kind of something in between? Yeah. I mean, it, it, and the thing is, what Jack does here is is not unusual, given he is obviously a proficient source person yeah. and there is a randomer potentially in uh, the penthouse. Yes. So um, it, it makes sense um, what Jack is doing here. So it could all be uh, above board in that. But the nice thing is, is that the sword 
that is to Clint's throat is the Ronan sword. Mm -hmm. And uh, Clint will be very much aware of that uh, with that up against it is his throat. So I thought that was really nice touch. The other nice touch I really liked from this was we have the whole thing where Clint hears something, but the noise isn't sort of like the crash of a... Uh, a fruit bowl be uh, or you know the tumble of something it's not particularly loud it's really quite subtle which also makes that suggestion of jack being proficient with a sword and with his feet from the the fencing test from kate it it just adds to this guy being quite skilled in in, in a number mm-hmm. of different ways it, it felt like he definitely was trying not to make a sound and yeah. was actually probably successful for most people but it was hawkeye and exactly. um, and i kind of like that yeah i like that it wasn't some real um slap uh, yeah, yeah almost slapstick yeah. noise you know yeah. like you hear sort of the the metal bowl crashing onto exactly. the tiled floor and, and people oh what was that but yeah. this was like almost I was I was there watching it going, did I just hear something? Yeah. Like you would do. And I Almost thought that was a really kind of nice touch. Yeah. Maybe you're a Hawkeye, John. <laughs> I'm Hawkeye. <here. laughs> yeah. Uh, great gag in there from uh, from Kate Bishop texting. Uh, <laughs> texting to Clint yeah. going, uh, I'm glad you're not called Hawkeye. Uh, very good. Yeah. Um, I think just one other final thing from this point is that conversation with Clint's uh, youngest son, uh, Nathaniel, mm-hmm. which I thought yeah. was really, um, it was just really well done and actually really n- lovely. Uh, that hearing aid chat where effectively, um, Kate is helping Clint. Yeah. It's kind of increasing that, that bond between these two, the trust levels. Yeah. Um, you know, he, he gives her a thank you afterwards and, you know, he, he's still dealing with having his hearing aid crushed. It's not been fixed yet, but just the conversation that with the son, because that they, that, you know, they've moved on to the movie marathon that you hear, uh, from Nathaniel and, but he wants his dad's home and yeah. his yeah. dad, you can, I think again, Jeremy Renner is just plays this just to a T for mm-hmm. me. But I love that Nathaniel also says, I want you home, but I understand if you can't be home. And it just adds that pressure, even though he's trying to relieve it to Clint. Um, yeah. And it all being communicated through Kate writing down what he says. So yeah. I thought this was just kind of a nice, lovely touch, really. Yeah, it was really nice, wasn't it? Do we think that uh, Clint will get back home for Christmas? Yeah, absolutely. There'll be Christmas dinner at the dinner table with Kate Bishop as a new member of the Barton family. Um, Since she's losing her own family, she might as well go and join the Barton family, right? So uh, I think that would make total sense. Um, So kind of setting that up right here. But I thought it it was lovely. And again, we always use subtitles when we're watching these episodes to make sure we pick up everything. I thought it was lovely that there were little extra touches in the subtitles. You see what Nathaniel's actually saying on the phone. Um, so, for example, uh, he, Clint's saying, you're the early bird, you're up before everybody else, go read a book. And Nathaniel's going, 
Who would read a book? <laughs> Why would I read a book? That's boring. And I was trying to relieve his boredom. So I thought that was a little funny touch that you were able to see the full conversation as well. So, um, but yeah, lovely touching scene is, you know, as you say, John, that, that moment where, uh, Clint is saying to him, I promise you, I will definitely be back yeah. before Christmas. And his son's going to him, don't worry, dad. I know you've got other important things to do kind of thing. You don't have to be home for Christmas, which is, Clint knows his son has been so used to him not being present because he's been the hero going out with the Avengers all the time, but he wants to prove it to him he can make it home this Christmas. Perfect Christmas movie fodder, right? Absolutely bang on Mm -hmm. the money uh, for that one. But I think that is Arrow Point 3. Let us move on to our notes. Anyone have any notes? Ah, yeah, we have to talk about the Hawkeye suit, don't we? We have to talk about the perfect drawing that Kate does of the Hawkeye suit from the comic books. It was brilliant. Uh, when she proposes yeah. the new costume for the rebranded Hawkeye, right? I thought that was really cute. Yeah. I absolutely loved it. It was just the best, and it had all of the aspects in it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I actually did think she was going to be the one that came up with, the say, the... The, the the current kind of more math fraction view on it. Yeah. Uh, I thought that's what they were going to do, where they were going. And when they, I just saw the massive H and stuff, I was uh-huh. oh, that mwah, yeah. chef's so, kiss. So exactly. And she probably will be the one that will talk him into getting the Matt Fraction the, version, yeah. let's say, or the David Aya version of the... Sorry, uh, of see the, David Aya, yes, uh, I should, I should say that. Yes. Yeah, like, I, but I love the, the gag of, what are those things on my head? Well, they're wings, like a hawk. <laughs> that go over your eyes, because you're Hawkeye. And the H there, that's for Hawkeye as well, because you need your branding. Yeah. Uh, yeah, great fun. We've seen that now in each of the series so far on, on Disney+, Plus that they've, they've found a way to incorporate the original costume from comic books into each of the storylines. Yeah. So this was their way here. I love it, because you can clearly tell that Jeremy Renner was going, nope, I am not putting on that costume for a Halloween special episode. Or oh, they're so I'm not doing it. No way. Right. You can put it in a drawing um, on a napkin and that'll do. Well, that's it. I just, the, <laughs> it's not happening. Yeah. And just his first one, I know he says about my wife will divorce me. Um, and I'm not a role model, but it's just the first one. My job is to be a ghost. Mm-hmm. Why would yeah. I wear purple? And I will be seen, you know, from far away yeah. in, in, in purple. <laughs> tight fitting suit um so i just thought that was really really good also in that whole conversation in the diner kate does um you know guess half right because of uh uh clint's lie effectively lie slash partial truth or white lie is um that that clint is hiding the i the identity of ronan yeah um not that he is or was Ronan. Yeah. So again, that's uh, just a, another little point of reference here. Mm-hmm. I wonder if she's not making the connection because Ronan is known as being particularly violent. Yeah, with his, yeah, I with would the say people so. that he punishes effectively. So she's not making the connection. This couldn't possibly be her role model, her hero that's going at killing people. It must be somebody else in the hero community or in the community that he's trying to protect. So it can't possibly be Clint. I wonder, will, will there be some repercussions with Kate about if, if when she finds out that Clint was Ronan? I wonder, will there yeah. be something there that, that she loses some respect for him or something? Well, I guess that's being teed up with the I'm not a role model yeah. um, because of that. So, exactly. yes, that, that should be expected down the line, I reckon. Yeah. He could even lie and just say it was Steve Rogers. Like yeah. who's gonna like? That's the the new the dark ending to the Rogers the musical. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, any other notes for the episode? 
Just some honourable mentions for the non-Doggy-approved names mm-hmm. that we had. Little Old Caesar, Dogfather, which I loved, and yeah. Sir Dog of Pizza. I think Sir Dog of Pizza. Which I preferred. Yeah. I think that was just a bit slightly better. <laughs> but Pizza Dog is perfect. Lucky the Pizza Dog. Yes. Uh, love that too. Ultimately, Pizza Dog is is christened here. Yeah. Um, with a very cute look from the the dog as well. Yeah. In approval. But there we have it. Is we that do. all our notes? I think so. Any more notes? No. Excellent. Then with that, did this episode hit the mark? Do you defend Hawkeye episode three? Echoes, Chris, 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 Chris. I do. I do. I do. I do. I do. I do. Yes, I really enjoyed this. Um, I defend it wholeheartedly. It, it, we talked about it for all the reasons we've gone through. Um, essentially, it had the perfect blend of action, comedy, story beats, origins, flashbacks, intrigue. Is that Wilson Fisk? Is it someone else? Is it Vincent D'Onofrio? Is it, it just was fun. My only complaint, and it's not even a complaint, was it was short, or it felt short. But I actually think that was more that it was just go, go, go from the, the, yeah. the second that it kicked off. So yes, I wholeheartedly uh, defend, approve, and uh, rubber stamp this episode of Hawkeye. Excellent stuff, Chris. Derek, do you defend episode three, Echoes? I absolutely do. Yes. Excellent episode. This is, um, this is nailing again. I think I said it last episode. This is exactly what I wanted from the Hawkeye show and it's, it's doing it every week, but this was a fun adventure with lots of heart and lots of, lots of good comedy, lots of great action. Uh, it went by really fast, but when you think about it, it's about 34 minutes long. And I think 20 minutes of that is the action sequence in the middle of it. So, Hey, why not? If you've got the budget and you've got a character like Hawkeye, you want to show off how, interesting character is and how exciting he can be give him a quiver full of trick arrows and show every single one of them doing what it should do or having a bit of fun with uh being used for things it shouldn't uh, be used for uh great fun really loving the relationship between Haley steinfeld and jeremy renner and so intrigued by this introduction of akila cox as uh, as echo really cool um so yes absolutely defend this episode john do you defend hawkeye episode three echoes I certainly do defend this episode. I give it five Pim Arrows out of five. Um, Nailed it. Yeah, straight in the bullseye. Mm -hmm. Uh, I I loved this episode. I thought it was just perfect blend of the action, the comedy, the and the 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 story, the drama of it. Um, It was just really nice. The trick arrows, I loved. Um, I loved the christening of pizza dog i love the intrigue and the the flashback with uh maya lopez uh, aka echo and just how that fitted into that first scene and um, the, the intrigue about uncle k question mark <laughs> and um just then the the final end scene uh where we do get to see uh clint and uh jacques duquesne uh in the next episode i am sure mm. uh sort of 
chat, I guess. Um, oh, yeah. I, I'm not expecting them to fight, but, you know, it's just a nice little cliffhanger there. So yeah. I, I loved uh, this episode from start to finish. I think, like, as, as Chris said, it felt really short, but I think it's just because I really enjoyed it. It yeah. was like time uh, was operating at a different speed whilst I watched this, shall we say. Um, so, yeah, five Pim Arrows out of five. And only a week to wait for more. Exactly. But speaking of Pim, um, I'm going to suggest that we grab ourselves a nice glass of alcoholic fruit salad with a Pim's uh, as in honour of the Pim Arrow mm. as we head to our pub quiz. Fellow defenders, fellow quizzers, question three for this episode of Hawkeye. What is the name of the auto repair business where Maya witnesses Ronan killing her father? Mm, that's a blink and you'll miss it one. Oh, yeah. certainly is. Yeah, but you'll see it. You'll definitely see it if you, if you watch the episode again. John, do you want to give us a question one more time? Yes. What is the name of the auto repair business where Maya witnesses Ronan killing her father? Mm. Excellent. To enter the pub quiz, all you need to do is send us all six answers for the pub quiz. Each, one, uh, each question is being asked on each episode. You'll also find them on our website at tvpodcastindustries.com. Uh, just email us to feedback at tvpodcastindustries.com by the end of the year with all your answers and you'll be in with a chance of getting your hands on some Hawkeye goodies. Yes, indeed you will. Um, but let us head on over to our feedback section. Uh, we've got tons of lovely feedback uh, mm -hmm. from our fellow defenders uh, this week. And, and it's uh, so great to hear from some of our fellow defenders again. Again, we mentioned on the first episode of the season that a lot of our fellow defenders didn't watch uh, What If. So we haven't heard from some of you since uh, since back in July when we were watching Loki. So uh, great to hear some of the, uh, the wonderful listeners and fellow defenders who've been sending in their thoughts. Yes. Uh, first up, we go to email. For all of you out there, just a quick reminder... Uh, you can send it in your thoughts by email to feedback at tvpodcastindustries.com. But our first email is from Suzanne Nelson, who says, Great to be following along again with you guys. Mm -hmm. I like the first two episodes a lot better after listening to your podcast and watching them again. I loved Hayley Steinfeld in the Pitch Perfect movies 2 and 3, and I think she's hitting a bullseye. Sorry with her Kate Bishop portrayal. Excellent. <laughs> I'm all in for the next four weeks. Thanks again for your terrific podcast. I'm about to start Wheel of Time, only since you're talking about it. Ah, Suzanne. Thank you so much, Suzanne, for, for getting in touch. Um, really uh, pleased that you're enjoying um, the the episodes. I'm, we're glad we could be a companion piece as well to Absolutely. these episodes and get a few rewatches there uh, for sure. And so we're glad to have you on board for the next four weeks. And we're also glad that you'll be on board listening to our other podcast that we're looking at at the moment as well which is wheel of time absolutely welcome back suzanne good to hear from you uh, also back is james Irwin over on email he says hi team great to be back i'm really looking forward to this series especially as for the first time in ages i'm watching almost live with you guys uh, so i might be able to play along with the pub quiz too my initial thoughts are that i really like the whole tone and street level setting of this show it reminds me of bygone days of the defenders podcast particularly daredevil punisher and of course 
the titular Mrs. Jones. In fact, Hawkeye is probably better suited to the gritty world of the Defenders than the now multiversal Avengers. Although, on that note, I have heard a few rumours that Kingpin might be making an appearance in the show. And if so, it will genuinely make my year. Of all the Avengers, I always felt Jeremy Renner's dry, self-deprecating approach has been underappreciated. A world away from the overconfident, wise-cracking Hawkeye of the cartoons and some comics, and never really given an MCU origin story to fully appreciate how he ended up part of this team. I mean, Stephen Amell got the best part of five seasons worth of flashbacks to cover his. (laughs) (laughs) Clint's whole demeanor, slightly sulky attitude, and actually getting more than five lines of dialogue here brings so many interesting aspects to a person who like say Frank Castle has no actual superpowers but in this case fights against literal gods and whilst the painkillers bit has been done on plenty of other shows in the past the hearing loss is another interesting new angle and I'm keen to see how it plays out a special mention for his reaction during the brilliantly over the top I could do this all day song which was only later bettered by his resigned delivery of I fought Thanos (laughs) during the LARPing. The rest of the cast looks like bringing further fun to the party. I really like Hayley in Barely Lethal, where she plays a teenage assassin alongside Nick Fury himself, Samuel L. Jackson, which must have been quite a warm-up for this gig. And her mustachio-twirling stepdad figure seems equally well-cast with plenty to hide. I don't know much about Echo either, although I'm sure there was an Echo in Gotham, But with her own series on the way, it looks like another interesting direction for the show. Having visited New York in December myself, the Shane Black-esque Christmas setting is really exciting and it is good to have this to look forward to watching over the next few weeks. Let's just hope there is a moment coming up where Kate and Clint find themselves hiding out in an empty apartment and build an array of Home Alone-style traps for the fantastically (laughs) named tracksuit mafia. Thanks very much, James. Excellent, James. Good to hear from you. Um, yeah, there's there's so many references so far to some of the classic Christmas movies. I wouldn't be surprised if we have a Nakatomi building in there as well um, as a Home Alone style uh, moment at, at Christmas as well. Uh, there was an echo in Gotham. You are completely correct. At the end of uh, at the end of season five, I think um, we had the character that eventually became. Gotham's version of Harley Quinn uh, was also called Echo over there. Well, remember, gent. Yeah. Well, uh, I did not remember that. <laughs> yeah, no, I don't I, think you got to season five. Uh, but that's we actually, probably uh, why. <laughs> interviewed the actress who played her on, on our Gotham TV podcast. Yeah, and I, I think you're right, James, as well, about, uh, about Jeremy Renner's approach to Hawkeye. Because... Certainly in the, the, the later MCU movies with it being so an ensemble piece, mm-hmm. like it is unfortunate to say that it can get lost in the, the twirly hammer and good looks of Thor or the, you know, the tech wizardry of, of Iron Man or mm. the buttocks of, uh, <laughs> Captain America even. Um, so it, it, it's definitely great that he's got this moment in, in the same way that Black Widow got as well. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I, I think you, you get to appreciate, um, that character as done by Jeremy Renner. Uh, so much more and actually i think that'll be interesting to just watch the 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 movies again for the nth time um because it might add more yeah. for yeah. Uh, hawkeye for sure yeah Absolutely. Uh, fingers crossed we get um some pink can swinging uh scenes in our future thanks never james know. Never know. thanks yeah, james, thanks, james. Uh, next up jerry emailed us on the first two episodes to say this hey bros 
<laughs> this was an excellent start to the series. They established Kate Bishop's privilege that she lives in. The New York scene with her father shows who she favors more. Did you guys catch that the actor was de-aged? Ooh. Ooh, I did not. Why would Marvel spend money to de-age this actor? Maybe because we will see him again. Ah, Jerry, yes. A man after my own heart on the theory side, yes. Yeah. Um, I will die if the swordsman shows up in colour-correct costume. (laughs) Pizza Dog ate that watch. Stunt work on this show is top-notch. Because this is New York, will we see Netflix characters like a recast of Iron Fist, a Daredevil mention? We know Kingpin is coming. Mm. Like the song from Rogers the Musical, I can do this all day. (laughs) You're bro, Jerry and Niceville. Thank you so much, bro. It was good to have you broing along with us in this brotastic synopsis and question email. I can't put bro in there anymore. Absolutely, Chris. You, you've definitely done uh, uh, lots of broing in there. <laughs> yes. Bro force. Yes. But then Jerry followed it up with an even brotastic, broier email <laughs> uh, on his thoughts on episode three. Uh, he went on to say, episode three was visually stunning, bro. I'm adding the bros in now. Fight coordinator on this show is great, bro. The car chase was Jeff's kiss, bro. Echo's introduction to the MCU is very different from the comics. So who is the Echo's boss? Because this is New York. Who is the boss of that boss? Bro. Kingpin is the top man, bro. Pizza Dog still has that watch, bro. The cliffhangers of this show are killing me, bro. You're bro, Jerry and Niceville. You're killing me, bro, (laughs) with all the bros. Last time. That's definitely not going to happen again in the future. Uh, You were so focused on uh, on going through the bros, you you missed the quite obvious uh, autocorrect error that's happened in poor Jerry's email. Um, He says the car car chase was Jeff's kiss. (laughs) I presume that might have been Chef's kiss, but might not have autocorrected to Jeff's kiss. No, so that is a callback to Fat Man Beyond. Sorry, but... Fat Man Beyond, uh, where it's uh, Kevin Smith and Mark Bernard don't go Chef's Kiss, they go Jeff's Kiss. Okay. There you go. That, well, I'm assuming that's what it is. Well done. Yes. <laughs> Thanks for catching that, Chris. <laughs> yes, that was what I'm here for, bro. Excellent. Thanks so much, Jerry. Great to hear your thoughts on the episodes. Yeah, great stuff, Jerry. Um, really. Yeah, great stuff, Jerry. Thanks uh, for your feedback. Warren Cobb says... Hello, everyone. First time listener, and I loved your discussion of the first two episodes of Hawkeye. I wanted to make a quick note about episode one. Kate did not simply pull the name Gary out of thin air when confronted by the waiter. If you go back and watch carefully right at the 28 minute mark, she overhears kitchen staff telling a waiter that Gary wants you to bring these down right away. Just a really cool little detail that highlights Kate's awareness and ability to use her surroundings to her advantage. Sincerely, Warren. Thanks, Warren, and welcome to the feedback section mm-hmm. uh, with your, your email in. Really good to, to get your thoughts. Yeah. And I think you're right. It's the subtlety of uh, some of these elements are, are really good. Yeah, it went completely um, over sure. our head. We it thought it was just a joke. Um, that, that she called out a guy called Gary, and then suddenly Gary would appear. But no, that's a, that's, that's a much better catch for the character. 
probably not as funny as we thought it was then. No. <laughs> but like with the surroundings as well, I mean, in, in episode three, we see her using the shopping trolley, which was pretty cool Very in fun. the warehouse, and swinging around one of the supporting poles in the warehouse as well. So uh, she's certainly uh, good with her surroundings as well. Absolutely. Thanks so much, Warren, for, for the feedback. Absolutely. Thanks, Warren. Prathinia Locklear has sent us an email on Hawkeye. Uh, she says, Hey there, everyone, and season's greetings. I have really been enjoying the series so far. I'm grateful that they released the first two episodes during the Thanksgiving holiday season because of this, I was able to watch it with my 12-year-old daughter. She was more than likely to watch the rest of them on her own due to her grueling schedule. As we watched the montage of Kate's training, I didn't have a second thought about it. I knew that this was Marvel's way of explaining and fast-forwarding through her life and training without having to film it. But it made my daughter a non-believer in the show. She wanted to know how it was possible for Kate to be so good at gymnastics, martial arts, archery and school. I told her she probably worked really hard because she had a goal. She thought about it for a while and said, yes, mom, but how does she have the time? <laughs> this stumped me because I realized she was asking this question in regards to her own life. My daughter is a high level competitive gymnast training up to 24 hours a week year round and probably only has time for one other activity besides her schoolwork. She also attends school at her training facility to make things a bit more convenient. The only answer I could come with, come up with was, well, they're apparently rich. And it's just TV. It's just not that deep. You'll just have to roll with it. <laughs> it was a funny moment for both of us. Uh, excellent, Prithidia. That's really interesting, isn't it? You can imagine um, your poor daughter going, you're not going to make me do three more things. I don't have any time to breathe. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, how could I possibly become this this character? Uh, really good. But you could have your own Kate Bishop if you just get her to try harder. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's amazing what being uh, hugely wealthy mm. and, of course, being wealthy on TV can do for your uh, resume i guess absolutely. <laughs> absolutely i think the only way i could get that high level is if i was in the matrix and they were just programming it into my brain <laughs> uh Prithidia continues does barton wear a hearing aid in both ears or just the one it seems as though he couldn't really hear well without the one so is he deaf in one ear and partially in the other he's certainly been through enough to be deaf in both I love, love, love the Pym arrow in this episode. I thought it was really cool. How does he know which arrow is which without looking? Although I live in North Carolina now, I grew up in New York City, and that train scene for me was epic simply because someone is sitting right next to them, clearly in a deep sleep, so you can see their heads swaying back and forth. If you've ever taken a train ride in the city, you know that eventually everyone is fast asleep at some point. <laughs> As a parent watching Martin on the phone with his son, reassuring him that he would be home for Christmas, I thought that was a really touching scene because you truly hate to disappoint your children, especially the younger ones. His acting was spot on for that scene. He really showed that gut-wrenching pain. Lastly, Jack being the bad guy feels a bit of an obvious one to me. I don't know much about his alter ego character, but it's playing out a bit too obvious that he killed his uncle, unless that's the point. I still think the mother might be the villain. Time will tell. Great episode. It just felt really short. Thanks, guys. I always have a great time listening to you, and I am here for Hawkeye and Wheel of Time. Pertinia. Thank you so much, Parthenia, and we're glad to have you here. And yeah, it seemed everyone's like, this was a short episode. We're feeling it. Come on, Marvel, give us that two-hour-long episode next time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, thanks uh, so much, Parthenia. Definitely um, can connect in with falling asleep on, on uh, the subway. Yes. It, it's that that heat uh, the the rhythmic sort of movement of of the metro, and yes. then gradually the eyes get a little bit heavier. And certainly, if uh, I guess 
like myself, if I have had a few drinks, then I am probably out for the count. We have an ongoing WhatsApp group amongst John's friends where they send <laughs> photographs of him asleep on the train home <laughs> and the trams home and buses home uh, from nights out. So, uh, yes, this is definitely a, uh, a trait of Mr. Harrison. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> How does yes. he know which arrow he's looking at? Uh, you, you were asking, Parthenia. That's just Hawkeye, right? He's been, he's yeah. got experience at all of the arrows. He's put them all in there himself. He knows exactly where everything is. I guess it's like very quickly going through a set of golf clubs. As long as you're putting back in the same position, you know exactly where the golf club is, right? That you want to use, uh, for, for hitting that ball, the golf course. That's the extent of my golf knowledge. Um, I will now retire my, my, uh, my golf personality for. The- <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Thank you very much. Next up, we have some thoughts. On episode three from Victor Van Doom, he had this to say, Hail Derek, John and Chris and fellow defenders. I must say I love the opening scenes featuring young Maya. The appearance of Adam Maya Echo was very impressive. Despite being deaf, Aliqua Cox's acting debut was awesome. Mm-hmm. The tracksuit mafia is a total joke with guns. Even <laughs> Maya agreed with Kazi that they are idiots. Who is uncle? Wilson Fisk or Jack? I warned you about Tony D's appearance as Jack last week. Mm-hmm. I've yet to see him as other than a dangerous villain. I believe he is filling the role of the swordsman who mentored young Cliff Barton in the comics. This will probably not be the story here, but beware. Kate's first attempt at a costume for Hawkeye was a nice throwback to the comics. Mm-hmm. I absolutely love the ending theme song by Sammy Davis Jr. I've not heard it in years. As always, looking forward to your podcast and wonderful Defenders feedback. Excelsior, Victor Van Doom. Thanks so much, Victor. Yeah, really good to hear your thoughts. Um, do you know, I do wonder if the actor was cast in the role of Jack because he's played a, a villainous role or a duplicitous role in other two two other high profile shows. Um, I wonder if that's the reason, and they're just he's just going to end off being um, a house husband who doesn't realise what the heck's going on around him. Yeah, <laughs> that would be so good. Yeah, thanks, Victor, for for the feedback and Excelsior. Uh, right back as well Mm -hmm. finally on email coffee and vodka says greetings paternal defenders loki remains my favorite of the disney marvel series and third overall after the first seasons of daredevil and jessica jones if the rest of this series is as good as this episode however there may be a new number one the contrast between the what havoc will this arrow bring car chase and heartfelt phone conversation of Clint and Nathaniel filtered through Kate his trainee and impromptu surrogate daughter was masterfully emotionally charged this father child theme was woven throughout the episode tying all the characters together into something as unavoidable and effective as the best of Netflix Marvel productions Mm -hmm. Uncle Wilson was even there as a neatly affixed bow to this present of a premise too many comic book references to mention without making this a two-page email, though Mayer's facial handprint and Hawkeye's classic costume deserve special mentions. Although I'm disappointed that Mayer's father's killing was retconned, the rest of this episode was perfect, up to and including Clint facing the wrong end of his own sword. Five sweet gingerbread men out of five. Greatly enjoying your commentary. Thanks for all you do. Take care and peace. Coffee and vodka. As always, coffee and vodka, thank you so much for the email. Mm -hmm. Um, Always good 
to get your out of fives uh, and great to see that uh, like myself giving it a, a a sweet five out of five and uh, yeah this was really a greatly balanced perfect episode for me as well as that that change between the action the 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 comedy between case and and clint uh, along with the the different elements of drama here was uh, superb um, so, yeah, great to, to get your thoughts on um, this episode. Mm. Yeah. Thanks, Coffee and Vodka. And I do agree that the handprint from uh, the facial, obviously having the blood there mimicking what the white handprint that she had um, in the comic books was really good. Nice touch. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Great to hear from you, Coffee and Vodka. Great to hear your thoughts. Um, not sure about your assertion that uh, something was retconned from the comics. We haven't really seen enough in this episode to say it has been retconned yet. Uh, let's see what plays out in the other three episodes. Yes, exactly. That's what I'd say. Not to uh, not to put, um, not to put doubt on what you've said, but <laughs> yes, let's wait and see until the end of episode six. We have three more episodes to go. Three, yes. nearly three hours of content to tell us the rest of the story. But, gentlemen, let's head on over to Facebook now for some feedback, where we have a bit of feedback on Episodes 1 and 2 from Jamie Lawton, who had this to say. I've only seen Episode 1 and 2 so far, and only halfway through the first podcast, so forgive me if it's already been mentioned. But when I saw Eleanor in her red dress, and the scene was also shot in front of a portrait of who I suspect was her in red, I got huge Electra's vibes. Ooh, interesting. That was not mentioned. No, you're the first one to bring that up. Mm, we think she's villainous, but uh, ooh, maybe somebody else is coming over from there. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that'll be a good one. I like that. Thanks so much for that. We've also got some feedback in from Trevor Green, who says, I felt like it had just started and then it was over. I was happy to see Zan McLaren in the role of Maya's father and was heartbroken to see him die in front of his daughter at the hands of the Ronin, which made me wonder at what level of involvement in organized crime does somebody deserve to be murdered? And does Clint have any regrets or guilt about being the Ronin? There was a DiCaprio pointing at the screen moment when Maya's uncle was there to take home, <laughs> take her home from martial arts. Will we see more of uncle? the short exchange between Kate and Clint on the train where Clint agreed that she was a top archer and then repeated what she had said moments before without realising was cute and something I could easily imagine in comic panels I'm sure there were easter eggs in some of the names that came up while Kate was getting info from her mother's computer but nothing that I could recognise finally I agree that Eleanor is shady possibly even big bad level and I think Jack's sketchiness may be a misdirection of the show the Battle of New York in 2012 would have been an excellent opportunity for Kate's father to fake his death to claim life insurance. Perhaps this is the lie that Eleanor's empire is built on. More support for your theory, John. Yeah. Yeah, and of course what Jerry mentioned earlier as well. Uh, certainly I hadn't spotted the de-aging side of that. So again, that, that would be a, kind of a neat little um, technical uh, confirmation that something well, is amiss here with Derek. Yeah. Yeah. Not you. Not him. me, him. That's right. The other thing I will just quickly say, say in terms of some of the um, Easter eggs for the names, a few crew members, I think, have been called out so far. Um, so I think that's one or two of majority of the big names. Uh, I think the big one is Sloan Inc. Sloan Limited, the one everyone's kind of questioning. Mm-hmm. Interesting, interesting. Thanks very much for that, Trevor. Yeah, thank you so much, Trevor. Um, Donald Dennis says, I haven't watched this episode yet, but I've been thinking about why, even though Hawkeye is very well made 
it just isn't grabbing me. I expect a lot of this will be addressed in episode 3, so this is only about episodes 1 and 2. First, perhaps I'd care more with a different actor, perhaps. Maybe he just never really clicked for me in this role. But there were several other reasons this show didn't excite me as much as the other Marvel shows. Slow burn, no direction, no bad guys or mystery worth caring about. Felt like a Hallmark movie in spots, which isn't necessarily bad, just not my bag. Also, procedural mysteries have taught me that most murders are solved in 45 minutes. More, th- more than that, and the show had better be a wild ride. That said, it was still pretty good, and I'll keep watching. Apparently, it was still good enough that I'd get up early to watch before work. (laughs) Later, yup, despite the relatively small amount of progress, this episode helps a lot. The opening scene, until they ended on the subway, was pretty amazing. Mm -hmm. The trick arrows were fun, the fighting was clever, the banter engaging, and the pacing was strong. Also, Hawkeye uses the ability to lower the gain on his hearing aid the same way my dad does when he wants to mute my (laughs) mum. It still isn't the top of my list, but I'm liking it more and more. Oh, I give episode 3 5 out of 5 trick arrows. Thank you so much, uh, Donald, for the feedback. Really pleased that um, episode three has has zoomed some life into this series for you. I think, in many respects, my opening um, sort of discussion around episode one um, in, on the podcast, uh, there was something there just wasn't clicking. Just mm-hmm. how it started, things seeming a little obvious, maybe. So I'm hoping that that rug well and truly gets pulled uh, from under our feet. But uh, it's certainly generating an awful lot of uh, discussions and theories um, about who is the bad guy here uh, and whether we have an Uncle K, for example. So I think there's a great amount of discussion. I think as is uh, evident from all the feedback that we're getting, which is really, really good stuff. So, uh, yeah, thanks so much, Donald. Yeah, thank you, Donald. And next up, we have feedback from Dr. Bob Phillips, who had this to say, really enjoying the lightness and comedy of the show. The trick arrows were quite brilliant, and I swear there weren't as many in that quiver as it was handed over by Kate as emerged from that car window. (laughs) Loving the weaving of deaf and hard of hearing stories into this. And I bet the deliberate removal is echoing off so many parents, grandparents of the viewers. Mm -hmm. Will they get home for Christmas? Will Jack be a red herring? Will Maya turn out to be a savior in the end, doing something heroic when everyone else is incapacitated by noise? Who knows? Thank you, Dr. Bob. Yeah, who knows? Who knows? Will she be the savior? Will she be the 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 savior of Christmas? Will she be the Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer? Mm-hmm. You never know. You never know. <laughs> and yes, uh, Magic TV Quiver, I think, is, uh, is your answer to your first question. <laughs> I, I, I think so. I think so. <laughs> Thanks so much, uh, Dr. Bob. Absolutely. Thanks, Dr. Bob. Dan Lee says, during the flashback at the beginning, the uncle, that hand and chuckle, please tell me I'm not the only one who gasped. That's got to be Daredevil's Vincent D'Onofrio. No, I have no idea what you're talking about. Don't think so. Don't think so at all. Dan, you are not alone. No, you're not. 
Claire Payne says, one of the many things I love about this show is how the episodes end. I definitely don't need to be encouraged to return for the next episode, but it certainly makes me want to see what will happen next. Another outstanding episode. Fantastic action, conversation, flashback scenes and trick arrows. Loved it. Thanks so much, Claire. And a very happy birthday to Claire Payne, whose birthday was on this week. Whoop, whoop. Happy birthday. Absolutely. Uh, Happy birthday, Claire. I'm really pleased you're enjoying uh, Hawkeye. Mm -hmm. Good birthday present. Uh, yeah, definitely. Yeah. In between yeah. the, the season, you've got your birthday, you've got uh, you got the holiday season going on as well. That's great. I'm sensing <laughs> if if Claire did out of fives with um with the with what she said of another outstanding episode, I guess it would be another five out of five. So that that's uh, <laughs> including myself and um, along with three other fellow defenders, it's it's four five out of fives, which is pretty good going. And yeah. Yeah, really good stuff. Uh, thanks so much, Claire. Uh, Doug Green says, loved the trick arrows, especially the pin one. This was my favorite episode so far. Clint recognized that Kate wasn't just some annoying kid, but a capable hero uh, was great. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Trick arrows, what is not to love about that? I kind of like the putty uh, arrow as well, right at the start, the the purple sort of goo Oh one. yeah, I forgot about that yeah. one already. Because it was nice as well in the, in the conversation where he Clint saying fire them at the wheels to to slow them down, and she had already fired it at, at the the windscreen. So, um, yeah, trick arrows really were great, and the pin one especially. Thank you, Doug. Finally, we have some feedback from Deanna DeBrian Mascal, who had this to say. What a devastating opening scene. Master storytelling to make us care so deeply about this antagonist and her vendetta against Ronan. Also, the echoes of this story with both Hawkeye and Kate give it even more emotional impact. I love this warehouse fight scene so much, and I'm not sure Clint's plan would have worked even if Kate hadn't crashed the party. The Arrow fight scene was amazing. Their chemistry continues to be great. The pacing of this episode was also great. And what an ending. Thank you so much, Deanna. Yeah, and we're really not sure why everyone has a vendetta against Derek's friend, Ronan. Uh, and also, obviously, Ronan as well. Yeah, we know we knew the underwear will come back to get him at some point. Definitely. Not my friend Ronan again. Um, <laughs> thanks so much, Deanna, for your feedback. And thanks to everybody who sent in your feedback for Hawkeye this week. You can get in contact with us by emailing us to feedback at tvpodcastindustries.com or you can join us over in our Facebook group at facebook.com slash groups slash tvpodcastindustries. And we, we have some spoiler posts up there for each and every episode of each and every show that we've covered uh, across the last six years. But more recently, Hawkeye and Wheel of Time. <laughs> yes. Uh, big thank you, Deanna, and to all our fellow defenders for your feedback. Uh, Really good to get your thoughts. As well as feedback, you can also support us by heading on to any good or evil podcast catcher of your choice. Please subscribe to the podcast. Uh, Leave a review. Rate us, because sharing the podcast is, of course, sharing the love. You can also head on over to tvpodcastindustries.com as well. 
other ways to support us, you can support us over on patreon.com forward slash TV podcast industries or buymeacoffee.com forward slash TVPI, uh, where you can support us uh, over there. Any which way you lend your support is absolutely fantastic mm-hmm. and very much appreciated by the the three of us. Absolutely. Uh, As Chris said earlier on, if we made it into your Spotify uh, f- playlist for the year, um, share us on social media. It's always, it's always cool to see that too, isn't it? Yes. Yeah, definitely. But thank you so much for joining us, fellow Defenders. We will be back next week with Hawkeye Episode 4 uh, and your feedback, of course. Thank you so much. We'll be back on Saturday at 5pm GMT on the main channels of TV Podcast Industries to discuss the fifth episode of The Wheel of Time, Blood Calls Blood. It's a good one. Mm -hmm. Check out our discussions everywhere you catch our podcasts. Yeah, and we'll catch you next week for Hawkeye. Speak to you again soon. Yeah, thank you so much, fellow Defenders. As always, a pleasure chit-chatting and discussing all things Hawkeye with you. Remember, keep watching, keep listening, and of course, keep defending. Bye.